Hey folks, make sure to stay up to date on all the latest episodes by following us at Get Wrecked Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Or if you have any recommendations you'd like to hear us review on the show, you can contact us directly via email. Or, I don't know, maybe you just want to send us some feet pics. You creep, I don't know what you're into. I don't care. We'll review those too. What do you think of that, huh? In any case, all your requests, feedback, and general criticism of the straight white patriarchy can be sent to getrectpod at gmail.com. That's G-I-T-R-E-C-D-P-O-D at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. I don't know if I've asked you guys this before. Let's say you walked out the door today and you were transported to a magical world of D&D. What's your main stat? What's your dump stat? What class are you going to be? Like, as you. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you walked out the door, like, actually, you now you have to fit into the world of D&D. I think that my main stat would be charisma. I think my dump stat, it'd either be strength or constitution. (laughs) (laughs) It'd be one of those two. Uh, Yeah, one of those two. What, What trade would you learn? To fill a party, what what class? What would class you be? would you train in to become? Um, I'm really well, if charisma. I mean, if charisma is the way to go, then I would probably do a bard. Okay, I'd probably go down that route. Okay, I feel like that would probably be best for me because I don't like. I've done a lot of martial arts in the past, but I don't want to be that role in a. In, in a party. <laughs> you don't want to be a monk. I don't want to be a monk in a party. No. Um, so I could see myself as a bard. But a subdued bard. Not like an over-the-top, super extravagant, flamboyant bard. Okay. Not with that attitude. Yeah. Well, I would probably say, I guess my main stat would probably be constitution. Okay. Um, as far as a dump stat is concerned, if I'm being honest, dexterity. Oh, I forgot about dexterity. No, I'd want I'd want to keep that. Well, I'm talking like yeah. What like what truthfully sure <laughs> it would be my dump stat. Yeah. Um yeah, I still think it would be strength or charisma. I'm sorry, strength or um constitution for me. Yeah. So yeah. I just forgot that dexterity existed. Yeah. And if I were to choose a class I would say probably either cleric or fighter. I could see you swinging a big ass axe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cause fight. I mean, fighter's pretty versatile, but like, cleric does not necessarily mean heals. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite characters I've ever played was a a, a a storm cleric. They are so much fun. Because your uh, one of your abilities, you can max out lightning, and the instants are lightning or thunder damage. Yeah, so you just you, pray to you your just... god, and you're just like, "Please send lightning bolts down on them, god." <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, yeah, light them up. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> like it was like one of our first games together, and I did it like a level five call lightning. So I just had this storm up above, and I was just like. Everything within 10 feet of that just takes an automatic 60 damage. (laughs) (laughs) 
bring so. the heavens down on them. Mm-hmm. That's, That's exactly cool. how prayer works. <laughs> Please send lightning bolts, God. <laughs> In the world God's of like, D&D. Yeah, sure. Light them up. <laughs> that feels very, very Jack Blackish. <laughs> like, to, if Tenacious D wrote a D&D campaign, <laughs> that's the cleric praying right there. Hey, adventurers, and welcome to another thrilling session of Get Wrecked. The only podcast anywhere in the world where two buds take turns recommending and reviewing some of their favorite pop culture hits, hidden gems, and oddities. I'm, of course, your host and resident silly boy, Thor, joined today, as always, by my friend and co-host. He was a skater boy. She said, see you later, boy. But now he's a superstar, jamming on his guitar. It's Micah. <laughs> Dude, I had such a crush on Avril Lavigne. Dude, who did it? In eighth grade, such a crush. And I knew she was probably a poser, but I didn't care. Definitely a poser. That white tank top with a tie. Didn't even matter. Didn't even matter. Something. (sighs) Yeah, not ashamed. She's dead now, you know. She's been been dead for a long time, yeah. No, she is not. Yeah, there's a whole doppelganger thing, like, um, like with Paul McCartney. All about her. Is this going to be a conspiracy podcast? Cause okay, yeah, we could do that. Yeah. So she has a body double walking around. Yeah, for a long time, like like she didn't actually marry Chad Kroger. So when did she actually die? Mm, I think around like her third album, second third album. I want to go down that rabbit hole eventually. <laughs> Maybe right, not right now, but eventually. Yep. I'm I'm curious now. What are the facts? Where? <laughs> why do they? Why is she a? Doppelganger. Oh, how do sure, we know this? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that a lot of it is the way that she sings and the notes that she hits in later in later albums are just not what she has been able to do in the past. Like they have the the way that she sings, like the cadence and and the pitch and everything like that, does not sound like how she sings now. As far as what she did and now what she is singing, I think that that's a big part of it. Okay. Um, I haven't dived into it super super far. I just heard it and I'm like, okay, I'll believe it. So, because Paul McCartney's been dead for a long time, too. Yeah, that lady with one leg killed him. Yeah. And then replaced him. Yeah. They, the Beatles tried to tell us. And the <laughs> Let It Be album, they tried to let us know. Did you know that, Dan, that Paul McCartney's been dead? No. For a long time? <laughs> okay. Here, think about this. All right, so the Beatles, it's it's much more succinct. Abbey Road. Think about the cover of Abbey, Abbey Road. Mm-hmm. It's them walking across the street, right? Mm-hmm. Now, if you notice the turn, the order that they're all in, they all represent somebody. Now, John Lennon is in the front. He represents the preacher. He's dressed in all white. Paul McCartney is the third one, and he doesn't have any shoes on. The reason that he doesn't have any shoes on is because when they bury you, you don't wear shoes. He's the dead man. That's what, the, that's what he's representing. In addition to that, in the Let It Be album, it's the square of the four pictures of all their faces. And all of the pictures are three-quarter shots with them smiling, except for Paul McCartney's. Um, Paul McCartney's is straight on with a microphone right in front of his face. Everybody else's background is this nice white color, but Paul McCartney's background in that picture, blood red. Beatles have been trying to let us know for a while. Mm-hmm. Yep. The original Paul was taken over by like a body snatcher. 
That's why, oh my God, it makes so much sense. That's why that man is responsible for more recognizable melodies than actual than, Parma McCartney? Than anyone ever, than Mozart. Yeah. yeah. It, he's truly a wizard. He's the best. And now it makes sense. It's because he's an alien who snatched his body. I can see it. Or he's part of the cabal. And that's, Same with Walt Disney, who is frozen in the middle of, uh, is it Disneyland or Disney World that's down in Florida? No, I think that's why Lennon and Harrison mm. ended up dead. Because they were trying to let people know about Paul, and he's like, uh, can't do it. Zor- old Zorlax back on the mothership will get mad if people find out. <laughs> say, say that with a British accent. Oh, <laughs> hold on. Let me try and do the Liverpool. <laughs> oh, Zorlax. No, I, uh, how do you do a Liverpool accent? Zorlax on the Martian ocean. Oh, <laughs> on the Martian ship. Yeah, Zorlax up on the, on the mothership. And he said, no, uh, no, John, don't, don't tell people about me. You won't like what happens. God, I suck at accents. I stink so bad. You get the point, though. It's so fun to watch. <laughs> watch it try, though. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, so McCartney's been dead for a while, hanging out with Avril Lavigne, probably. Maybe they're just off somewhere with Elvis. Maybe the great musicians just do that. Tupac and Elvis. Yeah. Biggie. They had like a certain level of fame, and then suddenly they're just like visited by like two dudes in a suit in suits one night and they're like hey listen we're taking you to the promised land and we're gonna shove this person in your place yep and everything's gonna be great yep and then they just fuck off into the sunset and let the body double do the rest probably yeah yeah that's what i would do yeah i mean it's probably some bunker underneath the atlantic ocean <laughs> kudos, kudos to them man I mean, they probably deserve a little r&r to be honest mm-hmm. after making a single after single after single yeah anyway what are we talking about today i we are talking about (laughs) fox machina season two crew that's what we're getting in here and um as we did on the last episode that we talked about vox machina we're bringing back our good buddy dan barton dan thank you so much for coming back thank you for having me yeah Yeah. uh dan is our resident vox machina expert because he has listened to critical role as well as also watched Vox Machina and is generally just pretty knowledgeable on uh, the whole critical role deal. Yeah, that that's um, that's a, that's higher praise than I was going to give him. I was going to say that he was our Vox Machina lore whore. <laughs> that too. <laughs> just in general, I'm a lore whore. Yeah, let's let's be. Call He's a, a whore for lore, folks. I sure yeah. am. Yep. I have done more deep dives on lore and games than I wish to admit. Yeah. So we are getting into season two. Um, this is a, this is an interesting one because it's the first time that we've ever done a sequel, essentially, as an episode. Oh yeah. Um, we've never had gone back to something that we've initially been recommended or recommended. So, um, not really sure how this episode's going to go, but we're going to talk about it. So with that, uh, guys, what do we think? Initial thoughts on Vox Machina season two? How does it compare to the first season? Do you feel like it's just as good? Dan, how does it compare to what was going on in the actual role playing? Like, you know, what are what are our initial impressions? I I think my initial impression is I like how much backstory they got into. I mean, because the first season you really get Percy's backstory. 
that that's that whole arc is built around Percy's backstory. Mm-hmm. I like that in this season you get pretty much everybody else's. It definitely spreads it out more. Yeah. Was it like that in the campaign? So in the campaign, they crammed so much into such a small amount of time with this season yeah that there were a lot of changes this time around oh where the like the first uh the first season of vox machina they they held pretty true to the storyline okay and they still did for the most part in season two but Let's be real. There is literally hundreds of hours right, that well, they crammed into a 12-episode season. Yeah. And just scratched the surface on like a lot of stuff. And they did change interactions to make it a little more like dramatic. Gotcha. And like, you know, gripping. This one to me seemed more um more narrative based than the last one. Like mm-hmm. the last season I really got the feel that, oh, this is just D&D. Like, it felt like D&D as a cartoon. Mm-hmm. This season felt more like a TV show or like a series and less like a D&D campaign. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you could feel that they crammed so much stuff in. And there are parts where, like, because like you said, in that first, in the first season, you could tell it really felt just like people playing through a session. In this one what you alluded to with those character interactions, there are interactions with the characters and things that happen that uh, without having seen critical role, I knew that either a, they were kind of made up or like an amalgam of things that actually happened. Or if that actually happened on the podcast, then they were intentionally contrived and meant to happen on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I remember last with season one, uh, with Pike being gone for a bit and then showing up with her like apparition, essentially, mm-hmm. we were, both Thor and I recognized, oh, that person wasn't wasn't there to play the game. Mm-hmm. Like they weren't there for a while. And this one to me, there were a lot of times where I'm like, this just doesn't feel like D and D because I don't know not not to say that I didn't like it because I did I liked this season. I thought it was good. Yeah. Um, but it just didn't feel it didn't feel the same. It didn't me. feel as organic. It didn't... It just had... I don't know. I felt like it was well-written. Like, mm-hmm. the, the stuff that they did now, not knowing the depths of what the season covered versus the campaign, to me, it seemed well-written and put together pretty well. But I'm just looking at it from the viewpoint of the show and not the not the critical role show. I mean, I can probably list off all the things that were a little bit different if you want me to. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if we have four hundred hours. Are, well, what, no, it's it's not that. What st- are some big ones? Some yeah. of the big ones were was uh, so when they went to the Feywild uh, and the party got split, that never actually happened. So the party was all there for Westrun. The party was all there for the Feywild. There was never like a like a split that happened in the show. For one. Um, another big one was Ripley's involvement with Umbrasil. That was never in the original uh, podcast. Or, yeah, okay. Uh, and Ripley is the lady, if you, you know, we're assuming you've seen the show, who is essentially helping the dragon. Mm-hmm. And that was another thing, too, is Umbrasil was never involved with the Androsphinx that gave them Mythcarver and never got a hold of Mythcarver. 
Dude. In fact, Umbrasol never really even cared about the vestiges to begin with. Okay. That Sphinx was awesome. That Sphinx was very cool. Mm-hmm. I do have... I actually, that's one of my favorite episodes. Yeah. That's an incredible episode. Yeah. You get to see Scanlan save the day by just singing a love song, essentially. And yeah. Because the whole thing is like, can you harm me? I've lived for eons. Is it the voice of Optimus Prime from the Transformers? Mm, I don't know. It sounds like Optimus Prime. I could probably tell you. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool if it was. Um, but yeah, so that that fight originally was just against the Sphinx, and he still slapped him around. But at one point, I was kind of sad that this part didn't quite make it. He Essentially, a portal to the plane of air gets opened up, and a bunch of them get tossed into it, and they're just hanging on by a rope. If you know anything about the plane of air, it is legitimately just endless sky, and if you can't fly, you just fall forever. Okay, neat. So, um, so that part was kind of true. They never actually beat the Sphinx. But he was just kind of testing them to see their worthiness. Okay. Gotcha. Well, but in any case, the thing the thing with that, so the whole premise of it is, I've lived for eons mm-hmm. and have never felt pain. And so Scanlan warms his heart with a song and they become like buddies. He's like, Cammy, and then they're like friends. That's, that storyline is awesome. It's hilarious. But then in the next scene, the dragon comes in and just fucks that sphinx up like nothing. Yeah. Yep. Like he's went eons. I've never felt pain, and this dragon just shits on him like immediately. It <laughs> <Just> chomps <laughs> his neck and acids his face, and it's like, oh, I guess he really wasn't that strong after all. <laughs> I think part of that was probably to show just how dangerous the dragons were, sure. because you got to realize like all all of them are ancients. Yeah. All of them. Man, how about freaking Thordak with that flame into uh, the the castle? It just blows through the back of the mountain with it. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Man, R.I.P. Lance Reddick. I don't know if you heard about that, but the voice actor just passed away. Mm-hmm. Oh, yikes. Okay. Yeah, but... Um, what was the name of that Sphinx? Um, What was his name? I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, because I'm looking through the IMDb here, and it's just giving me a whole bunch of fantasy names. I'm like, none of these, yeah. none of these help me. <laughs> there were some really, uh, like Henry Winkler was Pike's grandpa. I don't know if you guys knew that. Oh, that's awesome. pretty fun. Um, Billy I Boyd, love that character, was uh, Garmili. He was. Y- you uh, gotta fill me in. Who's Billy Boyd? Billy Boyd. <laughs> I got a lot of questions. <laughs> what was he? I know he was in something big. Um. Because my first thought was Lord of the Rings, but I'm not entirely sure that's true. But, um, yeah. And another thing is, uh, that was that was a big difference that was going to be my original point was uh, Kasha and Zara in the very beginning of the season. Oh, I like them. They're cool. Um, they were not antagonists at all in the original show. That was one of the They were just changes. helpful? Yeah. So they were actually guest characters. Um, it was Elizabeth McGlynn, um, who, funny enough, did the voice for, uh, what's her name? Cowboy Bebop. The, like the only girl. Yeah. Okay. Faith Valentine. Yeah. Did her voice. She's, she's been in a ton of stuff. Um, so Billy Boyd plays Pippin in Lord of the Rings. That's what oh, it was. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, uh, Kasha is Wilfred L. 
if uh, you don't know who that is, he yeah. was the older brother in Boy Meets World. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and he's been a, a longtime friend of the show, of Critical Role, I should say. But yeah, that was that was him. That was their characters. That's right. And cool. uh, they were originally on to help, just help them out, and they were having fun and stuff like that. But in the show, they turned it way more antagonistic. And another thing, too, was the the unboxing of the the vestige yeah the armor where essentially you get percy opens it and vex gets hit with something which is what happens but the beholder fight that happened after that Mm -hmm. originally happened before that which is why she was such low hp because essentially they got hit by a i forget what the spell is called but essentially if you drop a creature to zero hit points there is no death saves they just die Okay. That was the curse that was on the coffin. And Percy was the one that originally triggered that because he rolled really poorly on his uh, check yeah. to figure things out. And then she crit failed the save. Oh, wow. So that's that's what happened there. And I remember hearing, and it was like an interview or something a while back, that originally Vax, his character... The whole fake touch thing. Liam O'Brien, the guy who played Vax, was going through a really rough time. And Matt Mercer kind of gave him that, like, fake touch thing as, like, a little, like, little special thing just for him to try and, like, cheer him up a little bit. Okay. But it ended up turning into so much more because of everything that kind of, like, everything just kind of fell into place. And Matt was like, this is a great story beat. Let's go with it. Because originally none of that was really planned. If all those things would have happened, he probably never would have become a paladin of the Raven Queen or anything, like even been involved with her. Okay, um, so that was just on the fly. He kinda, basically that's like, pretty neat. Because originally they tried to get uh, Vesh, which is Kashaw's patron, or patron technically god. She's like a lesser deity, and the Raven Queen was just like, nope not happening because i mean like it's in her temple so okay. she's not just gonna allow some other god to waltz in and resurrect somebody especially with the domains that she is pretty cool so pretty yeah i thought that was a, uh, I thought that whole little arc there was really cool yeah i love the vax and vex uh story arc through mm-hmm. this where you kind of see their relationship really take on a different dimension mm-hmm. and, and really you, you get to see, they developed those characters really well. Yeah. So the Sphinx's name, I'm sorry. I'm, I've, I'm sorry. I'm not contributing much. It's Cam, <laughs> it's Cam something. It's, it's like Kamal, Kamajiru, Kamajira, Kamal. It's K-A-M-A-L-J-I-O-R-I. Yeah, that's, that's why Scanlon calls him Cammy. Yeah. Um, and that was played by a guy who is named Tony Plana. P-L-A-N-A. Not Optimus Prime. Well, he has a perfect Optimus Prime voice. Yeah. He, he is evidently, the things that he's known for is Ugly Betty. Um, well, of course, Ugly Betty. Of course, yeah. And this gem, The Three Amigos. I don't know who he was in The Three Amigos. He was probably very young. That movie's like 
30, 40 years old at this point? Yeah, it, well, at least if if not, he was Jeffe. I don't know who that is, though. It's probably Jeffe. Oh, yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> you're probably right with three amigos. Jeffe. Yeah, so I'd, I'd be very curious to see what he looks like in that movie because I loved that movie growing up. Yeah. Anyway, that's who he was. So yeah. But yeah, they uh, they really hit home that like legitimately they grew up only relying on each other. Vax more so than Vax. Yeah. Like he always looked to her for like protection and guidance and stuff like that, and but he always he didn't have the same issues with their father that Vex did. Yeah, I kind of liked that it really made them seem it kind of showed you why they're such a team because mm-hmm. like, he relies on her so much for everything but this weird father issue thing that she's got he just does not and so yeah. he he steps in on that and protects her in that area yeah voiced by troy baker by the way good old troy baker who's troy baker uh joel in the last of us yeah he's, he's oh a, okay right on he's he, a voice actor for a lot of games okay yeah cool but that's the big one off the top of my head. Yeah, but. so backstories, you get Vex and Vax. I like their storyline. The Keyleth one was, it was kind of funny because they're like, oh, she's just the Avatar. That one seemed a little bit. <laughs> 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 yeah, like, yeah, the, that her one, backstory, she's that's just actually Avatar what it, what's the heavily based off of, yes. Yeah, I could tell. Um, that one seemed a bit placed. In it. Did that is that how that went about in the actual campaign? Sort of. It was more more or less an aside. Yeah, because I felt like they showed up at this place and they're like, "Oh, now it's Keela's story," mm-hmm. and it just so happened to be that her father and, and clan or tribe or whatever was in that area yeah. too. And to me, that felt a little bit out of place. Now there was a bit more to it, and I believe in the fir- like the actual like campaign, um, Patrick Rothfuss. That's when he was on. Okay. Um, and he there was a whole really good moment with that. And the I Pass with, Through Fire uh, came from, like, their interactions. Basically, like, a letter that he later wrote to Keyleth. Okay. Um, which is a really cool letter if you ever look it up. Um, highly recommend it because. Yeah. I thought that was an interesting episode. I, I did enjoy it, but I couldn't help but just be like. You're just ripping off Avatar the the last airbender right now. <laughs> it definitely had those vibes. Yeah. To me that episode just it was very self-contained and I felt like it was out of place in yeah. the grand arc of what they were trying to tell as For far sure. as in, in this yeah. season. Now granted it gets later on in the campaign there's more to it. Sure. Yeah. And there's there's actually a lot more to it. Yeah. Well, and that's that's kind of why I felt like this felt more scripted for lack of a better term you know how generally like whenever you go through games and stuff like that like you have your your different levels and stuff and they essentially like multiply in difficulty as you go on yeah it's essentially what happens sure yeah um and then we got grog's backstory where the whole season kind of Mm -hmm. ends on dude grog and pike yeah kind of but kind of both of them a little bit i loved it yeah yeah, so they they get to this town and Grog's herd by his definition is basically his clan um is just destroying this village. They've totally ransacked it and um 
Grog loses Grog loses his uh his strength pretty early on in this season. Oh or yeah, like, halfway like through. the whole deal with uh, uh, Craven Edge. Yeah, so he had that cursed sword. Yeah, which he ends up stabbing Pike, which is how they get split up then. And when he breaks the sword, because he's like, I gotta destroy this thing. He fucking. <laughs> Let me ask you. I already know the answer is yes. What happened to him was when he destroyed it, he took a bunch of strength damage. He actually died originally. Oh, okay. And he was able to be revived. Sheesh. But um, but it was kind of close because Craven Edge was essentially like holding on to his soul, and the DC like they were doing. I guess it was like a revivify, and Matt Mercer made the DC higher okay. because essentially the way that he does it, it doesn't just work. Like, you have to roll above a 10. Gotcha. And I think he made it like a 12 or a 13 or something like that because there's no modifier. Okay. And she rolled and got high and basically was like, nope, he's ours and pulled him back. Oh, man. Okay. That'd be so intense playing that. But he did lose all that strength for a little bit. It wasn't quite as much of a thing. Mm Mm-hmm. As they kind of made it out to be, but I'm glad that they did. Yeah. Because I think that as far as like showing character growth, mm, chef's kiss. Great. Loved it. Yeah. Well, and that's one of those D&D things that I liked because my assumption was that was strength damage. And I think that's what they were trying to essentially convey. And... It, it was interesting to see see that because whenever we play D anD D, it's all in your head. You can only imagine. Mm-hmm. So it was funny to see an actual visualization of what strength damage looks like. Mm-hmm. Your body just shrinks. Just shrinks. Yeah. <laughs> How about that home remedy too? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Scanlan gets up in butts a couple times this yeah. season, which I'm I'm all for. Yeah. Um, last season we gave our favorite characters. I think that mine was Pike. Um, was yours also Pike? Mine was Pike. Yeah. His is Percy. Percy. Mm -hmm. Did that change for any of us? I'm always a Grog guy too. Yeah. Like Percy didn't really have much. He didn't have much going on this season. No. No, he's just fucking everything up the whole season. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That was his arc was that. He kept screwing things up, but he's always like, I got your back, though. And I'm like, cool, good. And he, <laughs> I mean, maybe fucks, don't. He just fucks everything up. <laughs> maybe don't, Percy. Uh, I mean, I, I think part of that, too, is... I think at that point, too, um, after his... Because essentially the whole Whitestone arc was his thing. So imagine, like, you've worked for everything that you've ever wanted. You've gotten your revenge, and now it's like, what now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you kind of so, have to redefine your motives. And... Yeah, so I think that that was shown a little bit in the sense of like him trying to like figure out, figure everything out again. Yeah. But yeah, he definitely fucked up yeah. a little bit. I think I really liked Scanlan's story arc mm-hmm. because with those types of characters, it's nice to see them go from I'm the silly guy, I'm the funny bard, and I fuck anything that walks. And I'll fist people, and I'll get tied up, and I'll, I'm game for whatever. Yeah. And so it's nice to actually see different sides of that. Here's an emo. Here's 
a more emotional side mm-hmm. and some actual character motivations. Yeah. They did a lot to where they led you to believe that a lot of people were gaining affection for each other. Yeah. I, like a lot in this. Mm-hmm. I felt like, I mean, they did it with Scanlan and Pike and they also did it with Percy and Vex. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They also did it with Percy and Vex. They've still got the thing with Keyleth and Vax going on. Yeah. So this I, is a party that romances each other. Just, okay. Do yeah. they do they do that a lot in actual uh, Critical Role? Yes. Okay. Great. Yes. Um, I haven't watched much of the third campaign, but it definitely happened in the second campaign as well. Okay. Um, I won't say what exactly, but what you were saying with the emotions, just wait till season three, man. In the words of Vati Vidya, prepare to cry. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, they they tend to do that, and. It's fun to them, and that's part of the reason why they do it. It's because, you know, it's part of the fun of acting is putting yourself in another person's shoes and kind of really digging deep into, like, okay, like, how does my character feel about this? Yeah. Well, and that's – I think that that really lent itself to the show in this way because that happens all the time in TV shows, just mm-hmm. people romancing because you've got to keep things interesting. So mm-hmm. I felt like that mm-hmm. was – I wasn't sure if that was something that was being written for the show, but didn't happen for the campaign. But it's interesting that it did happen for the campaign, too. Actually, one of my favorite uh, scenes from the season came from one of those types of things when they're saying uh, goodbye to uh, Vax and Vex's dad. And he basically hands them the uh, the sheet of paper. And he's like, oh, but you're going to have to amend one one name on here. And he's like, what? And he's like, Lady Vexalia. And just goes through all of the titles. Yeah. Which in the campaign was spontaneous for the most part. Because nobody knew what was going on. Everybody okay. just went wild. But I thought that was a really, really cool moment for Percy standing up for her. And mm-hmm. only a way that only he would really think of. Yeah. Because he knows rich people. He knows they care about their titles. Like, and essentially, like... Thought, I thought of a random title that was vacant at Whitestone and was like, this is going to work. And then just listed off. He's like, I'll figure it out later with his sister. And I love that their dad, the part I liked about that scene is he does all that. It's very sweet. He's standing up for Vex because he has a crush on her and mm-hmm. vice versa. And the dad just goes, I would think a highborn such as yourself would be above such such obviously transparent shenanigans or something <laughs> like that. Just shuts him down. It's like that dude is a dick, and I love it. Yeah. I love those kinds of characters. Yeah, yeah. He was savage, yeah. savage for sure. Yeah, I think so. What what were some of our favorite parts of it of this show? Like, was there anything that jumped out to you? Um, I think. My favorite part is the fight scene when Grog fights and kills his uncle. Oh my gosh, it was so cool. It was so cool. And I think they really stepped up the level of all the fight scenes in this season are really good. The ones last season were good too, not to take anything away from them, but they were like next level this season. Mm -hmm. The animation was incredible. It was, I just feel like all the fight scenes were awesome. That one specifically was really good Mm -hmm. and it did this awesome thing where not only was it exciting and fun to watch 
but it was emotional too. Yeah. Because Grog is, you know, finding his power again and finding truly where his strength comes from and killing his uncle who kicked him out of his herd and made yeah. him feel weak because he cared about the the wee folk. <laughs> yeah. And that the very end when oh when he's stuck in that spike and like trying to get off because kebdak's about to yeah, kill pike yeah and vex throws him up she's on the <clears throat> no not that part when vex is puts him in trinkets puts him in the necklace mm-hmm. and throws him up and says show him who you really are grog and he comes down like a fucking like from the heavens and just cuts his uncle and how i like mm-hmm. teared up a little bit i don't know why i was just like it was so it was, it was so emotional. Yeah, it was incredible. Well, fun fact about that whole fight. So, like, that was the actual ending of the fight in the campaign. Because they... Kevdak got his arm cut off. He was escaping. The rest of Vox Machina was still fighting the rest of the herd. And um, Matt Mercer later said on, on like, a, I think it was Talks Machina or something like that. It was, they have, like, an after show where they kind of, like, get into the nitty-gritty. Mm-hmm. If Grog wasn't the one who killed Kevdak specifically, the herd would have just kept fighting. Oh, okay. Even after he died. It, it just it wouldn't have ended the fight. It would have been all or nothing. Sure. But because Grog was the one that was able to land the final blow, they all stopped. Yeah. Because essentially that was the end of the duel. And the duel happened in, in turn. Yeah. But when he hit the ground during that, he went unconscious. So if he missed that shot, it just that just would have been it. So I think part of what made that fight so cool is Scanlan on the metal guitar riffs just <laughs> going nuts. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's what got me hyped for it. I'm like, yeah, let's kill some things. Got me super hyped. It was very good. Oh, the rest of the party like coming in on the rooftops. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's it. like, Box Machina, let's fuck shit up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's yeah. A, that's gonna be a running theme too oh i'm sure mm-hmm. yeah that doesn't surprise me at all so i definitely liked scanlan's character arc in this one i thought that it's it's neat seeing him grow a little bit as a character i still love pike i just think that she's so cool mm-hmm. and i love the story more backstory between her and grog yeah how they came to be best buddies yeah. and because and we talked about it originally on the uh the first episode that we did for this but you guys actually got to see it yeah happen um and how exactly it happened too with uh him basically sparing wilhelm uh which is you know pike's grandpa and he got destroyed for it essentially yeah left for dead so where does the show go from here because i felt like it wasn't re- i mean the chroma conclave still exists well, right we got as, rid of as you'll recall micah at the very last scene oh yes Remind the, me, though. Pretend I haven't seen it. Okay. I'll pretend. And uh, it goes to, what's his name? Thorax or Thordak. something? Thordak. I like Thorax more. <laughs> <laughs> Thorax, the evil red dragon. He's essentially like, he's like, what do I care of vestments? And what was that dragon's name that he killed? Uh, Umbrasil. Umbrasil was the main, you know, antagonist this season. Mm-hmm. What do I care of Lumber Sill and vestments? 
I have something much more powerful or something. And essentially it just pans out and there's all those dragon eggs. Oh, right, 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 right. So my assumption is Thorax is trying to Thorax. start an army dra- an army of dragons. Yep. Do you think Daenerys Targaryen is going to show up in the next season? That'd be so cool. <laughs> Spoiler. <laughs> if she doesn't make a damn cameo as some character. Yeah. Wouldn't surprise me at this point. They have everybody doing a cameo in there. Yeah. But yeah. I'm I'm excited for the uh the next season because there's gonna be a lot more there's more characters that are going to get introduced. There's a lot more that happens. Cause we covered like the first third of the Krima Conclave. Okay. So it didn't do obviously it yeah, didn't do the rest of it. There's still, you know, Vorigal, the big white dragon to deal with. There's Raishan, who I don't know any of these names. It's uh, Raishan's the. <laughs> There's more dragons. Yeah, <laughs> Raishan's yeah. the the ancient green that's part of the group, and I believe there was a scene with uh with her and Vox Machina towards the end. Was there not? Yeah, where basically she puts to sleep. There, everybody's celebrating. That was right before the final scene with uh, Thorax and the dragon eggs. She basically drugs the wine of all all the people in the room except for Vox Machina and is like I hate him just as much as you and essentially offers them help. Yeah. So we did I, what's her name again? Uh Raishan. Raishan, of course. Raishan yeah. the dece- the diseased deceiver. Yeah, so she disguises herself as a human. Jeez. Mm-hmm. Well, green dragons uh, in lore are the most adept at magic, and going forward, you'll definitely see that with her. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I was surprised by this that they only killed one dragon throughout the whole thing. I mean, three more to go. <laughs> yeah, three more to go. I'm kind of glad that they didn't fast track this whole thing. Yeah. Well, the I think the Kerma Conclave arc was close to like at least 70 episodes that's so wild that's like that are like four hours yeah i was gonna say 280 hours yeah so there's a lot of ground to cover and like i said they already smushed a bunch of things kind of together yeah not necessarily in a bad way by the way that uh mushroom trip yeah during the season cracked me up so oh that was so well done the art in that was hilarious it was great (laughs) did they pull from other arcs to put into this to kind of meld people's it was all roughly around the same time okay so there wasn't anything that was from the the far future like everything that happened i believe is within the timeline so to speak it's okay. just instead of being linear they kind of shifted it gotcha okay to be kind of happening at the same time like when they split the party okay. yeah they did split the party a lot i kind of had a feeling that might have been what happened yeah they're, there... they're trying to they're trying to make sure that we're not going for 10 seasons just to get through criminal conclave yeah but well and maybe since they kind of smashed so much into this season they really laid the groundwork for the next season it can breathe a little bit more yeah. And they don't have to do that. Because it definitely did feel like that. It felt like they were putting a lot into it. Yeah, and I'm kind of interested in seeing how they're going to address some some things. Um, because when Critical Role first started airing, there was a uh, another person that was in the group. Um, 
I forget what his name is off the top of my head. But essentially, he became kind of a problem. Like and the actor? It was, an, it was another... Uh, uh, Ryan Acaba, I think his name was. Okay. But he was part of the group originally. The actor himself was a problem, or the character he played was a problem? Yes. Okay. Um... They, he had he had a lot of issues he had a lot of issues going on, and long story short, he just became an issue, and they decided to just kick him out of the group. But one of the arcs coming up has to do with that character's hometown. So you're interested to see if he's even going to be a part of it at all, possibly, or because as far as I know, like things are at least amicable now, but. I don't think that they're really on speaking terms that much anymore. I don't know the full details. I'm kind of interested to see how, how that, all that goes down. But it's it's definitely a cool season. I'm excited to see where it goes. Um, I, it sounds like they're doing the show justice, which is nice to mm-hmm. hear from Amazon. Because a lot of times Amazon series based on things... <laughs> Cough, cough, wheel of time. Cough, yeah. cough. Oh my gosh, I hate wheel of time so much. Thor, did you watch Wheel of Time? I did. I thought it was fine. It was awful, Thor. But Don't lie to the people. I didn't read any of the books. <sighs> read the books, Dan. And Thor. <laughs> and Thor. <laughs> oh shit, I thought I almost got away with it. I'm not going to read uh, the books. You thought I was your scapegoat. <laughs> Think again. There's like 26 books and they're all like 800 pages, but it's totally a good read. It Fuck off. is a good read. <laughs> Fuck you, Thor. Right. Fuck you, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Fuck you, Micah. It's a good series, all right? It's solid. I knew that the Wheel of Time had issues because when, it, when the show came out, the, the people who were either the screenplay writers, they were writing the script, they're like, yeah, we cover a bunch of, uh, we cover st- book one, uh, a good bit of book two, and a little bit of book three. I'm like, in 12 episodes? In 12 episodes you're doing that? Show fucking sucks. All right? Don't watch Wheel of Time. It's not good. Read the books. <sighs> if you haven't read the books, it's fine. I wouldn't, I honestly wouldn't recommend it. I feel like... You have... No place to not mm. recommend the books. No, not the books. The show. Oh. No, no. The, <laughs> Don't read the books, people. It's Don't I read would... the books. Reading is gay. <laughs> I thought you were like, I wouldn't recommend it. I'm like, what the fuck, Thor? <laughs> no, the show. If you haven't read the books, I wouldn't recommend. Or the show is fine, but I wouldn't recommend it. I feel like there are better things in that genre you can watch game of thrones yeah you can watch house of dragon which is also game of thrones i know uh shadow and bone on netflix you could watch game of thrones (laughs) i mean there there are just a lot of better Mm -hmm. sure shadow and bone was solid bt dubs yeah Yeah. shadow and bone is great have you seen that yet no oh man that'll probably that'll probably be on here i haven't seen it but it's just it's nice to see amazon shows doing good mm-hmm. and kind of being true to their source material um at least to a degree yeah mighty nine also got announced that's what i, I heard yeah oh. that one i'm a little bit more excited for Vo- I, like vox machina is great and all but like mighty nine is by far my favorite yeah that's what, what is mighty nine it's their second campaign it's critical yeah. role's second campaign okay so it's new characters 
a whole new arc. Still D and D shit though. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Same group doing the same exact thing. They just finished the Mox Vox Machina campaign, but they've got a show now that's super yeah. popular. So they're going to do another campaign. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, it's uh, it takes place twenty years after the events of Vox Machina and all that fun stuff. Right. Yeah, and, I in a different continent. Yeah, I started listening to it, and then I was like, "This is just too much. I I just can't keep up." So I listened to maybe fifteen episodes, mm-hmm. which I liked, but I just I just couldn't keep up with it. I yeah. just didn't have. So anyway, um, yeah, we we are we're probably at a good spot, crew, where we can start uh, throwing throwing ratings out if we want to. Okay. Um, slash slash. Does anybody have any parting thoughts? Any final, um final things to say one of my also another one of my favorite points in the season grog getting his beard (laughs) (laughs) the squeal of happiness that came from that man (laughs) so grog or goliaths can't grow facial hair okay that's an established thing but because he got the belt of dwarven kind from gilmore's shop when they were like looting the rubble basically yeah he was able to grow the beard, which is something that Travis always wanted for the character, but didn't realize that he wouldn't be able to get. Oh, okay. So that person was just like, here's a belt, man. Have fun. <laughs> Did it just give him a beard? It, well, I mean, like, the, the belt of Dwarven Kind is a great item, just in general. Um, but it's what gave him his beard, and he got super excited okay. about it. Because in, in the show, they make it like the belt just gives him a beard oh. which i'm fine with and because there are stupid my assumption in in D, there are just stupid items yeah my assumption is it's a belt of disguise mm. and so it just or something like that and it just pops a beard out on his face no belt of dwarven kind is actually one of my favorite items it gives you a plus two to constitution gives you a resistance to poison and advantage on the saving throws for poison um you can speak dwarvish, gain dark vision up to 60 feet, and you have advantage on, uh, like, basically diplomacy checks with dwarves. Okay. Yeah, sounds fun. So, there's, it's like a whole laundry list of things that it does, but one of the, like, tiny, mod, like, minor things it does is gives you a beard. Like, at dawn, you have a 50% chance of getting a beard. <laughs> that's actually <laughs> that's in, the, in the notes for the d yes. item. That's hysterical. Yeah. That's very cool. That's hysterical. And if your race can't grow a beard, you grow the equivalent. You grow the equivalent. <laughs> so like, so for like, dra- like Dragonborn don't uh-huh. have beards, but they have these like weird tentacle things that they can grow. Yeah, they grow a bunch of tentacle things. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I guess one piece I loved that we didn't get to talk about on here yet. We talked a little bit about it before when they're fighting the dragon. What's his name? Umbrasil. Umbrasil, I'll never remember. I don't know why I asked. When they're fighting him. <laughs> and it's not looking good. And Scanlan's like, Vax, we got to get inside him. And he's like, there's acid all in his mouth. How are we going to do it? And Scanlan goes, we're not going in through his mouth, buddy. And he uses his magical little hand, turns it into... And the attention to detail with the animation. When you're fisting a person... There's or yourself, whichever. There's a certain way you you don't go in fist first. You take <laughs> you take your hand. This podcast and you, took a turn, <clears throat> and you kind of make almost like a duck, like a duck bill with your thumb and your fingers. You make them real, and you slide in like that. You make a it's a a cone shape, 
uh-huh. with your fist. You go in, and then once you're in, then you turn it to a fist. Have fun. So the attention to detail, when they go flying in the dragon's butt in Scanlan's magical hand. Does it cone first? It cones first. It I doesn't like actually go in tonight. like a fist. I will say, watching that with Melanie, because I watched the entire thing, the the noise that came out of her mouth, followed by the, like, you know when you laugh so hard you don't make a sound? Yeah. That's exactly what was happening. Like, intermittent with, like, shrill noises, because she's, like, finally able to catch her breath a little bit, only to keep laughing more. We had to pause the episode for probably a good, like, five minutes so she could get a control of herself. <laughs> I mean, I was right there with her because it was it's great. Such a great scene, yeah. Oh, my. All right. Well, uh, with that note, how do we rate this crew? <laughs> let's, 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 um, let's keep, I mean, let's keep the fists to a minimum. Let's, uh. Um, what's your, what's your rating out of vestiges? Out of vestiges? Uh, Scale one to ten vestiges. And also do, I, I forget what our ratings were for the first season. I don't even know if we all gave ratings. I don't remember. So let's go, we'll rate what we, we'll rate now how we feel about the first season and then how we feel about this season as well. Does that oh. make sense? Uh, so for example, for me, I would give season one uh, nine out of ten vestiges. Okay. This one... I think I want to go eight. Okay. Because I did like it. I, I still enjoyed it a lot. I liked a lot of the things they did. I loved that they went into the characters more so. The action scenes, I think, were better. They they were just incredible. They You really got some real heartfelt moments because now you really know the characters so they can start digging into that kind of stuff. And the narrative did feel more cohesive like a written story um so i think those are all the positives for it the first one was just more fun mm-hmm. and that's ultimately for me DD is always fun first so the first one felt more fun which is why i would give it a little bit of a higher rating and also as we talked about a number of times there was a lot crammed into this and so it it kind of felt like it okay so nine for the first seven i'm sorry eight eight for the second season dan what about you i'm actually going to flip it i'm going to give the the first season an eight and second season a nine you Um, bastard why (laughs) well the the only reason i'm not giving it a a 10 is because of how smushed everything like i understand why it happened Mm -hmm. um it just it, there was a lot of stuff that kind of changed that didn't a hundred percent make sense to me but overall kind of like the points that you were saying a lot of heartfelt stuff um they did a lot of things very right even if they were different i i think in the end it turned out better and i just oh, the fights were so good and the animation was was even better this time around because i i had some I wasn't a fan of some of the animation stuff in the first season, but the second season they really cleaned up and made everything like really like good looking. Yeah, so. for sure. Yeah, I think I'm gonna go nine for the first season, and I think I'm gonna go seven for the second season. Ooh. I'm gonna be a little bit lower than you guys for okay. the second season. Um, 
it, it had a different feel. I still liked it. I still liked it quite a bit. Um, but it had a different feel from the first season. And I really enjoyed... With the first season, I could find points in the story. And I go, oh, I know what was happening in mm-hmm. the campaign. Without actually watching the campaign. Mm-hmm. Like the part where they, they can't get through the door. It In the first season. That rung true to me as a D&D player slash DM. Where I'm like, I can understand situations like that. Somebody's where, rolling once. Yeah, it's like somebody's rolling. And I really enjoyed that about the first season. The second season, I don't feel like it had that. And I felt like it was more it was more just like an action-adventure fantasy TV show. Mm-hmm. Which was fine. It was thinking it was good. But it the kind of... The magic? That, yeah, yeah. The magic was gone a little bit. I agree with everything that you guys do, said. Do you think that they did that intentionally? Because maybe the first season, they thought, okay, we have to really be true to that narrative, and we have to really put in these little these little pieces to get the people who are D&D fans or fans of the show. And now that they have, have the audience they're maybe they're like we don't need to put that as in as much or that i mean maybe i think part of it too might just be the amount of content that they covered i mean it sounds like they covered a pretty well think about it this way too is that like the first season covered one arc Mm -hmm. the second season covered bare minimum three arcs Okay. so i just don't think that there was enough room to throw in those little details and now that you now that you guys are talking about it like that does make sense and and i agree with you like that stuff was what really made the first season fun but i think in the interest of story they had to sacrifice something because once again like otherwise first campaign would have been 10 season 10 seasons bare minimum yeah i mean yeah, but I feel like with the first season they were able to like abridge yeah. the the actual D&D play to it still felt like it was a cohesive story mm-hmm. for the first season. And again, not to say that the second season didn't feel that way. Narrative-wise, I thought it worked out fine. Mm-hmm. I liked everything about it. It just didn't have that that magic it, uh, for It didn't feel terms. like D&D. Yeah, it just didn't feel like D&D anymore. Um so that was a little bit of a bummer for me but i don't know if i'd be in the majority with that yeah no i i know exactly what you're saying about and i think that's why i don't think it's quite as fun yeah also there just wasn't as much funny there was more heartfelt stuff sure yeah it's still good i would still recommend it very good liked the first uh season watch the second season it's great if you haven't already it definitely worth watching Mm -hmm. um that's just where where i stand with it so cool um what about you guys at home how do you feel about it did you watch it or are you waiting for our opinion because our opinion's pretty good um especially i'm looking at the map here we got some people in portland like two or three people in portland that are listening to the show i want to hear from you all right tell me all about your thoughts from vancouver do you guys know the professor from magic the gathering fame i'd just be curious because he's from that area too um, so yeah, what did you guys think about Vox Machina? Did you love it? Did you hate it? Did you enjoy it? Where are you at? Um, if you want to get a hold of us, people from Portland, or anyone, really, you can get a hold of us uh, from either our Facebook page, 
our Instagram page, or you can email us if you are a mousy little fuck and don't like social media. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, you know where they can do that, Micah? Where? GetRectPod at gmail.com. That's G-I-T-R-E-C-D-P-O-D at gmail.com. There you go, folks. And uh, McCrary, I hope you enjoyed the shout-out to your TFD days. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know what it is. So, <laughs> uh, can we just start stealing all of the TFD's catchphrases? Maybe, maybe we'll do that. Chad won't know. <clears throat> anyway, um, Dan, thank you so much for being on here. We Thanks. really, yeah, it's, really all, it's it. always a pleasure. Always a pleasure to be on. Yeah. Uh, so until oh, I guess next episode we should probably talk about that. Yeah. Um, what are we doing next time? So we are going to be getting into a movie. That uh, as of right now, we, full disclosure, folks, we have not seen. However, uh, there is a movie that the the boys of Get Wrecked Love, even Dan likes it, called In Bruges. We covered it. It's a great episode. It's a little bit older now, but uh, you should definitely check it out. Yeah, that was one of our early recommendations. I think it was probably the second movie you recommended to me. Yeah. And after I saw it, it instantly became one of my favorite movies of all time yeah so so thor found out that this movie called the banshees of inisherin exists um written by the same guy who wrote in bruges also happens to star colin farrell and blend uh, brendan gleason from in bruges so we haven't seen it yet we saw that it came out on hbo max we called each other and we're like we have to watch this and talk about it on the show so that's what we're gonna do so if you guys are interested, I think that it actually won some awards recently. I've I've heard very good things about it. Yeah. So um, we are going to watch it and recommend it solely based on how much we love in Bruges. And um, we're going to go from there. So next week, Banshees of Inisherin. Um, you should check it out and then it's join about, us. Yeah, it's about two Irish guys who are friends. And then one day they decide... I don't want to be friends with you anymore. Yeah, I think one of them decides. Yeah, one of them decides we're not going to be friends anymore. Doesn't have any explanation why. He's just like, I'm not your friend anymore. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I'm very intrigued. With that, um, we're going to get out of here. So until next time, folks. As always, you get wrecked. Stay wrecked. So Thor, it's, it's the cone first. And then you go to the fist. Yeah, and then you, and then you wiggle on. the fingers. Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> Alright, I got I got some homework for tonight. Get ready.